Juju here, Lanji here, Soy here, and, and we're, we're the co-hosts of the Her Revival podcast. We started this podcast while reflecting on the crazy journey of being a woman in her 20s, trying to conquer our careers, our finances, post-grad, and more. As we found some hardships putting it all together, we realized that things don't have to be so hard if we rely on each other. Her Revival is here to motivate, cultivate, and inspire women who are all looking to develop better relationships in all aspects of their lives. We're the sisters who can teach you all about it. Now let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome back, Her Revival family. We are so excited to have you all here back again for another episode. Yes! (laughs) So, last episode, we really wanted to keep along the money train and keep up with this finance theme that we've been going on. And we had a super great conversation about the Black dollar and what it means. We've talked about, if you guys haven't checked that episode out, make sure you go check it out. We gave out some crazy stats that were like, crazy for us to comprehend (laughs) um talked about property talked about the importance of buying talked about black businesses we talked about a whole bunch of stuff so make sure i go check that out um and let's take it away with a new episode let's get it so basically we still like like um soy said we still want to kind of stay on the money train but we kind of want to wrap it up however even though each of us have our own financial endeavors and our own financial goals we're not really experts, right? So we kind of felt like if we really want to make this a quality experience for our Her Revival family, why not introduce you all to someone who can really drop some gems on okay. you? Yeah. That's right. So the theme for this episode is mind right, money right. I feel like we all think that if someone just dropped a million dollars on us today, we know exactly how we're going to act, exactly what we're going to do. But if you've never developed the right mindset to even handle your money right and truly apply it to those goals, mm-hmm. you know, where do you really think you're going to end so, up? So with that being said, I want to introduce you all to someone who is literally outstanding, amazing, intelligent, and just so insightful and inspiring. Her name is Shanella Wilson. Shanella Wilson excuse me. And she is the people's CPA. And Woo. she is a black yes. woman dominating Hello. the financial space. Hi, ladies. So really quickly, <laughs> just want to give you all a little background on her before I have her come over here and take over. She's actually my accountant. And I am very satisfied every tax season with what I get back. Right, so I <laughs> and that's how you know she's lit. Listen, I need a new um accountant, so I'm girl, I'm at to hit you up. Yes, <laughs> please do. So Shanae, I don't want you want to go ahead and tell the people about yourself. Yep. Okay. So hey everyone. Thank you ladies for having me on the Her Revival podcast. I am Shanae Wilson, aka the People CPA. I am a certified public accountant in the state of New York. Um, I have my business, Fola Financial, for the past three years now. Actually, I think, oh, today makes three years. Exactly. Oh, hey. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. Um, So with the business, I typically serve creatives, entrepreneurs, young professionals, and travel nurses, aiding them from financial literacy to tax prep to bookkeeping, to consulting and advisory work. I'm super duper passionate about educating people when it comes to finances because I do believe that the education aspect of wealth building is the most important part of wealth building. 
Absolutely. Addition to that, I am currently a full-time PhD student at Rutgers University. I study accounting Ooh. information systems. And I am also a real estate investor. I'm working on my third property now hey. and have around nine doors currently under my belt thus far. Let's get it. Yes. First of all. Yo, before we even get into questions, like how do you even feel about everything that you're doing? Like how do you feel about yourself? You know, um, it's like to most people it can seem like, you know, I do a lot of stuff. Like they're like, Oh, you're a PhD student, a professor, um, an accountant, an advisor, and the real all of this stuff. But it's like to me, I just see myself as being one thing and that's being an educator. Like, yes, Mm. most of the reason why I do these endeavors is because I don't want to Preach something and be a hypocrite. You can't mm. preach about financial yes. freedom and not work for it towards yourself. Wow. Um, exactly. So you can't preach about real estate investing and not own property. So I want to make good. sure that when I'm serving my clients or when I'm speaking to people, I am exactly who I show myself to be. So that's kind of how I feel about myself now. Like I feel like I'm somebody mm. who is exactly who they say they are. Wow. Mm. I love that. I love yeah. Ooh, that's that's a word in itself. <laughs> So we're the episode done. That's all we needed. <laughs> <laughs> right, like keep waiting on us. Absolutely. So we're gonna just get right into the questions because we want to hear from you. We want to hear your expertise, your perspective on finances and just wealth. So first and foremost, I just wanted to know. So why are you know this top? Why is this topic so important for the community? So when we're talking about building up your personal finances. And just building wealth in general, talk to us a little bit about why this is important. Mm-hmm. So in short, even though people like to say that, you know, money is the root to all evil, I would have to argue and I say the lack of money is the root to all evil, right? Mm-hmm. You not having money is the reason why people go out and steal and rob and commit mm-hmm. crimes. Um, I think money is the key to wealth, right? Um, and when I say that, I really mean that because wealth is the key to freedom. You want to have the option to learn more. You want to have the option to have some more time on your hands to put into other areas of your life. And that is inclusive of health as well. Mm -hmm. So if you don't free yourself up from being tied into money and fighting for money, looking for money, you won't ever have time to fully express who you are as a human being. So many people that we know live paycheck to paycheck, um, they struggle, they're always depressed, and it's really always because of money. So it's like, once we get rid of that stress, imagine how many more happy people we will have in this world, Mm -hmm. how many more changes we can make together, because people are talented. There's some people who may be sitting right now behind the corporate desk, but because they need that job, they can't express their other talent, which may be drawing, which may be cooking, which may be singing you know um so i do feel like once you accumulate wealth to the point where you are financially free it allows you to further express yourself so that's why i'm super duper passionate about this specific subject awesome i actually had a quick follow-up on what you just said um you mentioned being financially free and i just wanted to ask you like what does that look like yep Mm -hmm. define that that's a really good question and honestly the answer to that is depending upon the individual So I say being financially free is having enough income passively to cover your main monthly expenses. And for many of us, that's not even that much. You know, like I live in New Jersey. I pay $1,000 a month for rent. 
Um, I maybe pay five hundred a month in like bills, and then maybe just five hundred for like food. So for me, That's like different. if I can't cover two thousand dollars a month, is lovely without working because I have investments that are giving me that much. I technically want to have to work again. So now I'm financially free. So again, it's like getting to the point where your your investments, whether it's a business, whether it's um real estate, whether it's some stocks, but when they're able to cover your mandatory life expenses, you are you can consider yourself being financially free. Mm, I love that. Mm, awesome. Okay, we gotta talk too. We gotta talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got another question for you. You ready for it? Yeah. All right. So. How can young people, right, especially people in their 20s, because our audience is majority women in their 20s, so we want to get a sense of how can they start building their personal finances, right? What we kind of mean by that is, like, people who don't necessarily have a salary, it could be maybe working hourly, maybe they have a lot of bills, and they kind of try to think about ways that they can save, but still be Mm -hmm. able to put their income towards their everyday or monthly bills. So, like, just in general, Mm -hmm. like, how can they start building those personal finances? Mm-hmm. So the first step, and I think people try to skip this step a lot, is really having a full picture of your financial life. You need to know exactly how much you're bringing in per month on average, exactly how much you spend and on what you spend it on. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I live paycheck to paycheck. Um, but, you know, a lot of their expenses go to things like Uber or food. Now we know you can substitute Uber for a train ride or a bus ride, and you can also substitute eating out to home cooking. So before we even start into financial planning, you want to make sure you have a holistic picture of where you currently are, because not only would you see the numbers, you also want to see what your moves are, right? You want to see like what your trends are, like maybe this time of the month you spend a lot more. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know? So as long as you can put that together, we can start to build a plan. So that's step number one. Step number two, again, is to assess that. So again, be able to strip out, I'm paying for this, I don't have to. Like, you know, I haven't got my nails done this whole COVID. Yeah. I'm like, sheesh, I save a good like, I don't know, like like five hundred dollars. <laughs> Small things like that make a huge difference. Or even getting my hair done. I'm like, I would have got my hair done like four times. That's probably two fifty. That's again another thousand dollars saved from just not doing my hair. Yeah. So if you're serious about making a change in your personal financial life, sacrifice, as you guys know, with anything, sacrifice is necessary. Yep. So right. Yep. You know, once you have that discipline, because you are so focused on your goal. Cutting out things like your hair and your nails is not going to mean nothing to you. Because yep. you're like, you know, walking down the street. Oh, that girl's hair is okay. All right, but I got $1,000 in my bank account. What you got? That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> and I, I love that point of view, too, because one of the biggest things I realized, whether it's through your business, whether it's through your job, whether it's through your own personal finances and health, is the key word prior to prioritization literally a matter of acknowledging what are the most important things that you need to do and everything else is if you have room to splurge so for you as you're talking about it's like once again acknowledging that your money needs to be allocated to things that obviously are your bills obviously are things that you need to get done and if you happen to have a little bit of chicken on the side you can do your hair you can do this 
But if you have longer term goals where you know you probably should be saving and not spending a thousand dollars on a new wig, once again, what is your priority? Is it that long term goal you're saving for, or is it that a thousand dollar wig that's going to make you happy for the next three weeks to a month? Right, right. Literally, it literally comes down to that. And again, it's up to you because take your time. Don't force yourself to fit if you're not ready to do so. But just know that the sacrifice is going to come. So if you don't think you can do it right now, you know, then give yourself a realistic time to do it. But you don't ever want to push it back too far. Now we're two years later, you're still not saving. You know, it's a fact. It's a fact. And then, so I think you had something for um, Shania. Yeah, so literally, I this is what I've been sort of thinking about, like, trying to use, you know, use my education from college and, you know, kind of, like, add to the conversation. Um, Like, I, while I was, like, studying sociology, like, we talked a lot about safety nets mm-hmm. and, like, people not really being able to achieve a safety net or not knowing what that is. Um, So I kind of wanted to ask about that. Like, you know, ge- generational wealth is, like, a big topic. It's something that has been coming up recently, like among millennials and younger people like talking about like you know wanting to like start futures for the people that come after them and their family Mm -hmm. um and like all over social media you know you see like investments and all these different things so what does that mean to you um and what does that like look like look like for people trying to obtain those goals and trying to like accomplish generational wealth or creating safety net Mm -hmm. so yes your first goal should definitely be to have that safety net right um because what you don't want to do is plan to make these investments, plan to start these businesses, and you're not secure, right? So typically, financial advisors would advise people to save at least three to six months of expenses um, as your safety net. And I'm pretty, pretty staunch on making that just six months. You should be able to survive from your savings account for six months. Um, I think COVID has literally showed us how important mm-hmm. that is yeah. because it's been like what three and a half months now yeah people are collecting unemployment but that's about to end really soon yeah so it's like you know you want to make sure that you're able to stay for a, at least six months at least these six yep. months um and with that again is just prioritization i will prioritize that before anything else before you start thinking about buying some property before you start thinking about um like going full-time for a business you can start your business while you are on this and mm-hmm. use the income from your business to save even quicker, but you don't want to leave your job and be a full-time entrepreneur without a safety net because guess what? Entrepreneurship is not cute nope. all the time. Yeah, it sure not. ain't. Income is not consistent. There's some mm-hmm. months where you'll make 15K, some months you'll make $15. <laughs> so again, having that safety net is going to allow you to think also just talking about entrepreneurship a lot of times business owners get discouraged because they get to the point where I had a really good month, I had a really bad month. Now I'm broke, so let me just go back to my job. When you have that safety net in place, you give yourself a lot more flexibility when it comes to being able to pivot, right? Because sometimes if your revenue is decreasing, it may not be because you as an entrepreneur sucks. Maybe your product is not in demand anymore. But having a safety net is going to allow you that time to actually think through it and pivot. What you don't ever want to do is make decisions out of stress, yep. out of scarcity, out of anger, nothing to do with any emotion. You want to make decisions from a level head, right? Yep. So, again, mm-hmm. having your safety net is going to allow you to achieve that. that is awesome. I like that. And I actually want to follow oh, up on that because I kind of feel like you were leading into something that I was thinking about. So, one of the things mm-hmm. I realized that a lot of people in their 20s complain about is, you know, everybody's kind of getting these financial 
I guess like advisements, financial advice about different things, but they, they feel like it's pretty generic. So I feel mm-hmm. like one of the most popular topics is once again, like getting into stocks, right? Getting into real estate. So maybe you can even touch on like, if you do do stocks, like what platforms are you using? What are your strategies? Mm-hmm. Or even on the real estate side, does somebody really need a hundred thousand dollars to buy a first multifamily home? Right? Like what does that process right. look like? Okay. So from the stock perspective, um, I use a bunch of different platforms. I love Robin Hood. They, I love that they added the educational part in it. Yes. So like you can go on Robin Hood mm-hmm. and you can actually see what the news is for that specific stock. Um, because as of now, and again, in our studies at school, we are studying how much emotions affect the stock market. So whenever you see bad news for a company, more than likely there's investors that, that are going to sell their shares off because again, it's, it's an emotional thing. Even though stock investing shouldn't be emotional at all, the way things are today with news, yeah. it is an emotional thing. So I typically go based off of the company, their future, and the historical performance. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're looking now, especially with the COVID dip, basically almost all of the stocks that were in the market are half price of what they were before COVID, right? right. So people mm-hmm. will say, oh, buy that stock because it's um at, it's on sale right now. However, what if that company is not going to recover after COVID? So even though the right. stock is discounted right now, that does not mean the price is going to go back up. You don't want to make stupid investments, right? Yep. Um, however, there's certain stocks that you know that are going to go back up, right? So like right now, gas is a little cheap because people are not driving as much. So the gas stocks went down. You guys know while wow, so it opens back up, everybody and mom is going to be right back outside driving. That's a fact. So I would think about investing in gas stocks for that reason. Mm-hmm. Same thing with airlines. Those stock prices are way down right now as well because they keep closing things back up. But you know, when the outside opens back up, the yes. airlines is about to be popping again. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing about as well. So that's going based off of necessity, right? So the current trends of the future, you know, those things are not going anywhere unless energy efficiency um, becomes like more prominent and people will stay away from gas. That's a different story. Right. That's when you sell your stock. And then also you want to think about future trends, right? So aside from the basics, travel and gas, what about tech, right? right? We all know that the future is tech. So if you can find yourself, and most of these firms, they IPO at a very low low amount. Like mm-hmm. I know a couple of my friends that bought into some tech stock that IPO that think $10 a share. Right now it's trading at $30 a share. Mm-hmm. So um, you want to just make sure that the product, like having the tech company sounds sexy, but if your product is not going to survive, it's not sexy at all anymore, you know? Yeah. So doing research and see what that what that company is doing. Same way Instagram was able to grow so big because of um their their data that they were collecting ultimately. Same thing with Snapchat. Um so once you see and again you'll be able to look at the news and see how they're doing revenue wise, how they're doing engagement wise. If Twi- if Instagram has a news that says that they lost a hundred million a hundred million um, people on their platform, that will be bad news because their primary business is data collection, right? Mm-hmm. Or advertisement. So if you have low users, you have low advertising dollars, aka your revenue model is going to decrease. So now you know that that's not a good stock to, to think, to go in. So when it comes to investing, again, you want to make sure that you're educating yourself on the company. I don't ever do things based off of trends or what people tell me mm-hmm. to do. Even if they do give me suggestions, I'm going to go ahead and like research it myself to validate it for myself. Like, yeah. Don't ever go into nothing blind. We have Google. 
Yes. That's a fact. University, y'all. <laughs> That's, that's my number one teacher. Absolutely. Research. Yes. <laughs> on the but make sure you also fact check some of your sources as well. Because yes. you know, there are people and there are, you know, just information that's not necessarily 100% true. So, you know, look up several sources and things like that. Before I get into the next question, I wanted to mention really quickly, Soy was having a lot of internet issues. Um, and so she did have to depart from the call to try to figure that out. So listeners, if you notice that Sui is gone, I'm sorry. Yes. This if is you noticed earlier, like, we had like a little gap in a question. It's because her service kind of clicked off a little yes. bit. So forgive us. Please do. But we love you guys anyways, and she loves you all. So we're going to continue what we were talking about and still getting deep into this topic. So mm-hmm. let's get into some just tips and some ways to help people out. So You know, we kind of mentioned this topic of generational wealth and things of that nature already. What are the five top tips that you would give someone who's trying to build generational wealth? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me let me get a little let me get a little one second. No, okay. So honestly, tip number one is going to be self assessment. Mm. Right. You don't want to start making decisions and plans and action moves if you don't even know where you are, who you are, what you really want to achieve. So self-assessment is for sure. Number one. Number two, once you assess thyself and know thyself, now we can go in and actually create our vision. So I want each of you all, even as listeners right now, to literally visualize and feel your visualization of what you want your life to look like perhaps in the next next 10 or 15 or 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have that vision first, for sure. Once you have that vision, step number three is going to be to actually write down what it's going to take for you to get there, right? So I like to plan in several different um, time series. My first plan would be a six-month plan. My second year would be a one-year plan, followed by a, perhaps a two-year plan and a five-year plan. But you need to literally break all of your goals down that you visualize in your vision part of this whole step process and have it broken down into steps, realistic mm-hmm. steps that you can take now, right? And because it sounds like a lot, I want to make $100 million. We all do, you know? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> right. But let me figure out first how I can make 10K and then how much I can, how can I make 10 times that, make 100K, and then maybe to get to my first milli. So really breaking down all of your steps to get there, not just the dollar amounts, but the, the plans, what you got to do, who you got to connect with, what mm-hmm. do you have to sell, how much you have to sell it. You know, um, just really break down your plan. And then four will be once you are building your, your assets, right? So whether it is investing, if you want to go that route to building generational wealth, or it is... Um, starting a business or maybe it's getting some real estate, whatever it is, you just want to make sure that you're actually doing it in the right way, right? You want to invest. If you're going to take out loans, you know, to get a mortgage for your first property, that's great. But make sure that you understand your cost of debt. What you don't want to do is invest in something and the debt cost is so high that you're Mm -hmm. you're not making that much profit. So as you begin investing your money into these vehicles, um, you want to make sure that you actually know what your return on that is going to be. And also, 
also in step four, make sure all of your assets are protected, right? Yes. So they say protect your assets, okay? <laughs> that's right. You have to. So whether that's putting it in LOCs, putting it in different um IRAs, whether it's putting it um just protecting your IP, copyrights, trademarks, protect all of your assets. So grow your assets, protect your assets, all in step four. Because you can't, step five will be creating your estate plan to actually push generational wealth down. But you can't do that stuff if steps one through four are not completed. So in step five, you do want to have an estate plan written up that states, you know, after you pass away, here's what I like to do with this, these assets, these businesses, these investment accounts. Uh, but I have a couple of clients and um, their parents did things so right to the point where they're still living off of their parents' wealth because it was done the right way. Wow. And that is generational wealth. One of my clients, literally, she works because she wants to, not because she has to. Mm. Her parents set her up with a plan that gives her 3 k a month to live off of. Wow. Yes. That's for the rest of her life? Or? Yes. Up until, I think it's going to last her, it was primarily for college, but she got a lot of scholarships, so she was able to, like, defer it a little bit. Um, but she's been getting this, this 3K a month for the past like three or four years now. I think oh. she has probably like, you know, a couple more years to go. Cause think about it. They saved at least 150 just for college. And again, she didn't Needed. have to use it. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, and that's giving your children the option because now if she wants to take that money, the 3K a month and invest it into another account that's yielding her 20% a year yep. or start yeah. several businesses or buy some real estate, she can. She has that option. Mm. And that's what generational wealth does to yeah, your offspring. Wow. Too many of us started off with our parents having debt. And then, like, you know, for me, I was working since I was 14 years old to help my mother. Mm. And um, I don't regret it at all. You know, it taught me a lot about just being responsible with character um playing my part in the family but then it's like i remember in high school you know i had to go to work after school while people were going to the park to play mm -hmm. so it's you know it took a toll on me when i was younger i'm like you know this sucks i hate my life um but now that i'm older i see that that discipline that was instilled in me from a young age is what got me to where i am now so like yes. for those of you listening and you're like you know my parents didn't really you know they couldn't provide as much or i'm struggling right now still just know that these lessons learned in the struggle are what's going to be the wisdom used to guide you for your future. See, I love that because I feel like a lot of people will turn that experience from youth into a negative, but for you, you realize it became your advantage, right? You understood discipline. You knew that you, and I guess you could say enjoyed working solely because it was preparing you for your next steps. And then now look that you have the freedom that you've always been looking for and you have that right now. And I think exactly. that kind of progress and looking back on that type of timeline, like, that's dope. Like, mm -hmm. you think about your mother, like, what does she say to you when she thinks about how you were grinding in high school to the kind of liberty that you have now? Like, how does she look at that? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she knows, um, I feel like with my mom, she respects who I am right now so much because, again, she, she watched me evolve. Like, yes, I was working in high school, but I was a little, I was bad. I, I heard. <laughs> Everybody had their I feel like you I was bad. I was like skipping school and doing wild stuff um, for no reason. I didn't have, I just, you know, you just meet wild. people That's and it. you just, just, you know, we just kind of have a bunch of So when she sees like my discipline now, she just knows where it came from. It came from me, again, sacrificing a lot of my after school activities to just go to work and help her with the home. 
Um, so even now, like in business, she again, she sees those traits relay. Like she sees how dedicated I am to my clients. She sees how dedicated I am to just getting things done with the business. And honestly, she was she says to me, like, I'm pretty sure that your business grew quicker than you even realized because oh. she sees how much I work. Um, but as she's so proud of it, like, you know, everywhere she goes, she's always happy to tell people like, yeah, my daughter is a CPA. My daughter has this business. And a lot of her friends are now my tax clients because Ooh, of her. So it. it does feel really good. Um, cause now again, we're in this place where we're not struggling anymore. Like my mom hasn't, she doesn't have to ask for nothing. She doesn't need for nothing. Yes, she works still, but it's an option for her because she doesn't have to. She doesn't want to because I got her. Um, so that means a lot to me to be able to, to even say that or to be able to really do that. It's a blessing. Wait a minute. Hold on. Tell them your age. I don't even think they know what, how old you are. <laughs> Tell them your age real quick. So hold on. Before you even say the number, remember that she said that she doesn't, her mom doesn't need to work, but because she can hold it down for her mom. But how old are you, Shania? I'm 25. 25 years old, and she can hold it down for her mom. Most of us yes. can't even hold it down for ourselves right now, but we fixing that. We fixing that. I got this. Y'all got this. Y'all got me as a resource. So that's exactly. <laughs> and I think that's honestly that is so powerful because I feel like you know you know we have people who are around us who you know they just talk about their finances and some people are in situations where they feel like you know I don't make enough money to save. I don't make enough money to invest. But, you know, really and truly, I feel like something that you said in terms of like prioritizing and making sacrifices mm -hmm. is so important because if you are someone who, you know, maybe you're not making 100K, you know, in terms of your salary or whatever the case may be, but there are sacrifices you're going to have to make in your life in order to make those investments and to be able to support your family. like. I know for me, like, I grew up in the struggle. Why would I want to allow my family to still be in that yep. situation right. if I have That's the right. means and the knowledge to break it? Like, we right. have access to so much more information and access to a lot more resources in general. So, you know, we need to use that positively in order to build that generational wealth and to build up things for our community. I know that Juju had a couple more questions she wants to ask you. Yes. Wrap it up. Because as we're speaking, I think that we're touching on so many different things that kind of, you know, like I said, like people are looking for specifics, right? So Landry got back to prioritizing and once again, just making sure that <clears throat> you're making sacrifice to save your money. So I want to actually go back into the real estate property side, right? Okay. Kind of going back to that narrative on does someone need to have $100,000 to get into home buying? So if you could right. talk a little bit about like first home buyers, um, processes and things like that, I think that would be a good way to kind of get to the conclusion of the episode. All right, perfect. So yes, um, you don't need a lot to get started in real estate. Talk you know, um, you really don't. Because honestly, in some areas, depending on where you're from, like obviously less in New York, but like there's some rural areas, some places in Texas, some places in Detroit and Michigan, um, where um, if you're and thinking about getting property in that state, there's so many aids to help you. So, mm -hmm. for example, one of the women that I know out in Detroit, actually, she was able to get her first three properties for $100 because they were doing wow. um, this auction thing where they were wow. giving out property. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, yo, that's <laughs> my hair. My hair. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we all need the next auction. 
right <laughs> and then once you have the actual asset you can borrow against your asset let me explain yes. what that means so say i buy a house for a thousand dollars right um somebody somebody had a tax lien against it and they needed to satisfy their debt so they just got rid of the property i bought it on auction for a thousand dollars now because i own that asset i can borrow against it so now, so say for example that one thousand dollar property that I just bought is actually really worth forty thousand. You know, I got a really really good deal on it. I can now pull out equity of up to usually it's like eighty percent of the assessed value. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still you know twenty something thousand to fix that property up and now rent it. You know, so literally, what was the whole amount of the investment? It was just that one thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. The thing about real estate is that it's the easiest way to to multiply your income. Literally. Yes. yes. Again, and it's because of that magic word that Beyonce loves so much. Maybe mm-hmm. equity. Okay. Uh-huh. Equity is so powerful. Equity is not physical currency. Equity is not currency. Equity is basically the opposite of debt, right? Um, mm-hmm. so it's like instead of you being in debt to something, you have added value that you can draw from. So it's an asset. Well, it's not really an asset, it's its own thing. Um, but yeah, it's the of that. It's like, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have equity because you can pull from it. So even for yeah. me, the house I live in currently right now, um, just to give you some context, even if you do go for a, for FHA loan, more than likely you'll have to put down at least 3.5% plus closing costs. Right. Mm-hmm. But on a property that's only a hundred thousand, that's $3,500 exactly. plus maybe 6K in closing costs. So less than $10,000 to buy a hundred thousand dollar house. And again, what if you buy that hundred thousand dollar house, but it's really worth two hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. So you really spent less than ten k to have two hundred and something thousand, you know? Mm-hmm. Because you can always pull equity and always use that money to reinvest. Um. So again, it's I love how people just discuss it as being like phantom money. Like that's what equity is. Like you can literally leverage your equity to continue building more and more. So the more assets you have, typically most people in real estate. They only spend money on their first two properties. Once they get the equity, that's it. That's it. I don't have to buy no more. Like, yes, information. My brain today was the perfect person for this. I told you, I was like, <laughs> like we were talking about money, and we were just like, we already know the perfect person to come on and really just spread the knowledge. Like, I even feel more equipped to start.
Yes, for sure. The last thing that I do want to add on is just start small. Like, you know, we all have these huge goals and that's amazing. But again, just be, start small. I love Nipsey's quote, Nipsey Hustles. Um, God rest his soul. He was a great, great, great man. But he was like, you know, you lay a brick every day and then eventually you'll look up and you'll have a whole brick wall. And eventually you'll look up and you'll have a whole house. Right. Yeah. Um. So again, just a brick. Think about how small a brick is to the whole foundation of a home. You know. Um. But if you just take these daily steps, you'll get there. You'll get that wall. You'll get that house. So even when investing, you don't have to dump ten thousand to the stock market. I started investing with fifty dollars. Yeah. Literally. Fifty dollars. Just maybe discipline yourself to put up every time you get paid. So maybe it's weekly or biweekly. Fifty bucks. Put fifty bucks in. But again, just practice researching stock, practice um, how to assess real estate. Because aside from actually owning a full property, you can invest in real estate investment trust funds, right? REITs. Um, so that gives you, you know, some type of ownership and you do, you do gain some income from even having share, a share in a portfolio that holds real estate assets. So again, start small, like just start small because eventually... If you keep going, that momentum will just end up bringing you the benefits of the compound effect where yep. you'll turn around and look and now you are way ahead than you even thought you would be. And the compound effect is a book. I wish I remember the author's name. I actually have it somewhere in my drawer. But please, please go and find that book. Please read it. What Shania is dropping on you is gems right now. And while you already mentioned the compound effect, do you have like maybe two other books that or resources that people should be looking to to kind of inform mm-hmm. themselves? Right. So I love, love Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert yeah, Kiyosaki did say some wild stuff a couple um weeks ago, though. But, yeah. But the book resource, well, I gotta give it to The her. book, honestly, it's the best book that you can ever read. Um, It breaks down everything in such a simplistic way to give you the idea of how to go from... Because you can still work. I'm probably going to work, you know, as a teacher for the rest of my life. I love teaching. Yep. So there's nothing wrong with just, oh, I'm not going to be an employee no more. It's not about that. It's about having the option, right? Yes. And about having freedom to, if you want to say F this job, you can do so comfortably, yep. right? Yeah. Um. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for sure. I also love The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm. That specific book um teaches you literally about starting small, like literally. His philosophy was if you save 10% of every dollar that you earn, you're doing just good. And um, if you think about it, like 10% is not that much. If you're making 60K a year, that's only 6,000 a year that you can save. Because it's not about your your return on investing. It's not about your return on, you know, any of your other efforts. It's all about your return on saving. If you don't start with saving, you can't get anything else. So um, I love that book a lot as well. Then also, for those of you who... um. Just follow me on Instagram at the People CPA. If you visit my website, folafinancial.com, um, there is a free resource, my first ebook called Break It Up. It is modeled after the Yo Gotti and Nicki Minaj song. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I teach the basics of just credit, saving, and budgeting. And it also includes a budget template. So be sure to check that out if you want to use a free tool to get you started with the self-assessment portion. Yes. Oh my God, Shanae, yo, thank you so, so much. Honestly, like I said before, like we couldn't wait to have you on this episode. We felt like we were giving our perspective on different things, which are obviously things that have worked for us or have worked in our favor. But mm-hmm. you're just kind of being that expert and just dropping these very specific financial um 
information, I feel like it's really resourceful to our listeners. So once again, I do want to say thank you so much for giving us, you know, a good solid 45 minutes of your time. Um, thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course, mother, yeah. of course. And then to my listeners, or our listeners, excuse me, we do want to say thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode. Once again, the goal is to always ensure that we are providing you all with advice that is necessarily to your own personal growth. So we do want to make sure that you all grasp, you know, personal financial wellness from this episode. We talked a lot about general wealth, generational wealth, excuse me, particularly because we do believe that a lot of people have been talking about it. But the reality is, do you truly understand what it is and what it takes to obtain it? Whether it's for yourself, whether it's for your family, whether you want it for your friends, whatever your goal is, we want you all to know that it's something that you can actually have. So once again, thank you all so much. Shania, Lange, we will reunite soon. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody stay blessed. Stay blessed. Stay loved. Everybody will Out. Out. (laughs) 